right, and we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, Game Source, and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great shows. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or any other outlet that goes ahead and shares reviews and gives out reviews, please, if you can, if you like what we do, please give us a five-star review. And you can also leave your comment or question there as well, and we'll go ahead and read it on the air for you. But we cannot thank you enough for going ahead and being a part of the program today. But with me again, as he is every week, is my good friend. He is the man behind Lakerholics.net. You got to be a part of the conversation today. And boy, there's been a lot of conversation lately with the Lakers now on top at 14-2. and two. But you got to check them out right away at Lakerholics.net. It is Tom Wong, but you know him better as Laker Tom. Laker Tom, always great to have you back on the show. And before I forget, because I have a tendency to forget things, I wanted to go ahead and wish you and the family a wonderful Thanksgiving week. Thanks a lot, Gerald. We're looking forward to it. Uh, trying to keep my weight down, and uh, Thanksgiving is always a challenge. I hear you. My wife sent me an article the other day because we're going on a trip soon. And she said, and it said in the wintertime, one of the things you don't do, you don't go on a diet before you go on the trip. So it's like, I've been going on a diet. I can't do that anymore. It's just like, but anyways, all right, getting back to what we need to talk about. And that's the Lakers 14 and two, number one, best record in the NBA. Just so great to see them continuing after a couple nervous times in Oklahoma City and Memphis let's say that their defense did not exactly live up to expectations and I'm sure there's some reason why and we'll go ahead into that in detail later on in the program but I wanted to talk to you first about an article that you put out there that you tweeted and that you retweeted and that you retweeted and as I'm seeing it now it shows up seven straight times on your feed but I know this might be a Twitter thing, but, you know, or you could have just loved that article so much. Hey, no problem. Self-love the article. I'm all for that. But it is a great article that you wrote on Frank Vogel himself, the head coach, about him being brought into the fray, him being actually like a frying pan. He, he was actually like a fish into the frying pan because of the fact that, you know, he came in, he wasn't the Lakers' first choice. He, you know, they hired his assistants for him, which also happened to have head coaching experience, and in well, actually, in one case, more head coaching experience than him. And you know what? He still managed to go ahead and take all that aside. With a lot of people saying, "Hey, he's gone in ten games. He's not going to stick with it. He's not going to be a part of the program." And you know what? He's not only been able to survive, but he's also been able to thrive. So I ask you, my friend. Frank Vogel, he's done a tremendous job so far, but I want to hear what impresses you most. And especially out there, if you get a chance, read his article that you can go ahead and check out Lakerholics.net via medium.com. But I want to hear your thoughts on Frank Vogel and why he's done so well with what has been given to him. Well, it's a, it's a little bit of serendipity that, uh, that the Lakers ended up with Frank Vogel. Because as you said in, in my article, I basically said I thought he was the third choice of the Lakers. I'm not sure he was even that. I mean, <laughs> publicly, he there might was a have lot been of people who wanted, who wanted Luke Walton to stay around. There were, was definitely some interest in Monty Williams, and, and everybody was surprised that Monty actually took the son's job while he was still in contention. 
for the Lakers job. And Tyrone Lue. Tyrone Lue, who uh, basically was, you know, almost you could say LeBron James handpicked coach. And uh, Ty Lue basically uh, wanted a five-year contract, and the Lakers wouldn't give him a five-year deal, so he walked. Now, Frank Vogel had been brought up in the discussions as, along with uh, Jason Kidd as one of the two players, two coaches that the Lakers wanted to have on the staff. But originally they were looking at him as an assistant coach. My article is titled, What a Difference Coaching Makes. And I really think that, you know, I've said before in our previous podcast that there are four architects of the Lakers resurgence. Basically, uh, Rob Palenka for the great job he did in building the roster. Frank Bogle for the great job he's done in coaching the team and the two superstars, LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis for the way that they've participated in the building of the roster in supporting the coach and, 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 and everything that goes with it. So you can't really separate out one of those four factors and say that they're the key to the whole thing working. But the things that I like about Vogel start with defense. When you compare Luke Walton, uh, Tyrone Liu, Monty Williams, Jason Kidd, or any of those players out there who were people out there who were candidates for the Lakers job, nobody had the, the resume or the defense first philosophy that Frank Vogel had. I'm a big believer that when you build teams and coaches and front offices, that it's really important to have everybody on the same page, have everybody have the same philosophies, the same pushing in the same direction. And with the job that Palinka did in bringing six former players who were all defensive NBA players on that roster, it seemed to me that the natural perfect fit for the coach of that team was Frank Vogel. Because you knew, regardless of anything else that he did on offense, anything he did with structuring the way that the practices were going to be run, anything he did in substituting during games, his focus was always going to be defense first. That's why when he, that's how he got his reputation in Indiana. And it basically, you know, he's evolved a little bit offensively, uh, adopting the three-point line, uh, sort of appreciating the fact that defense, uh, that offense has to start from the outside in rather than inside out, as it used to do with the Pacers. But he still believes in defense starts at the protecting the rim. And it's just been a sensational job to see what has happened with all of these defensive players. We knew going in that Anthony Davis was going to be one of the top defenders in the league. You knew that Danny Green still had that same defensive mojo that he's shown throughout his championship career. But then there was Avery Bradley and, uh, and a lot of concerns because Bradley the last three or four years has not played good defense. He's been injured a lot. He's been put into the wrong situations on teams without strong rim protection, which then opens him up for getting beaten uh, by, by playing aggressively on guys. So he was, a, he was a big question mark, and a lot of people thought it was an odd choice that Palenka would go after him. And then you've got the ultimate case of Dwight Howard. You know, Here's a guy who you, you, everybody laughed when they first brought him aboard or even talked about bringing him aboard. And I really was not a favor of it at, at the start, but after watching him a few games, you know, I predicted early in the season, we're not, I think on our first or second podcast, that he was going to be the wild card for the Lakers this season. Well, you take all of those pieces together and what do you have? You've got, you've got a terrific defense. It's slumped a little bit in the last two games, the last three games, 
last three games have all been thrillers, basically. If if you want to, if you're the type of fan who wants to just turn into the fourth quarter and and watch a great game, uh, those two games against the Thunder and 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 then the game, you know, last night, those were those were all games were nail biters right down to the end, and the Lakers were lucky in in all three situations to come out with wins. Uh, lots of clutch play and some clutch defense down the stretch. They were able to pull it off. So I think everything with Frank Vogel starts with the fact that he's the right fit. You got a you got a roster full of former all defensive players. The guy that's the best fit to really get the most out of those guys and get LeBron James back to playing the kind of defense he did in his early years before he started using defense as a way to rest for offense. Vogel gets an vote primarily because of his defense orientation. Fair enough. Yeah, he has done an outstanding job. Let's let's put that right out there. I mean, I'm not displeased at all in what he's done. He, you know, with what's been given to him, he's done really a miraculous job because you know, you have the other two coaches, Jason Kidd and Lionel Hollins, who could have just been, you know, you know, plotting behind his back, could have done some really mean things, could have gone out of the way to try and go ahead and do little things to get the Lakers off to a bad start so they would have a better chance on getting his job. But you know what? They have come together as a coaching staff. And let's not forget Phil Handy, Mike Penberthy, who have done also a great job working with the team as well. They have people in there that are really doing a very good job of trying to get the Lakers focused on what they need to do to attain that success. And they need to keep on going ahead and driving and focusing forward. That's been an issue lately is focus, I think, especially on the defensive end as their numbers drop. They're still top five in the league in defense, which I think is about where they should be, hopefully, if, if everything plays out. It's somewhere in the top five. It, you know, It's great if they're number one, but right now, with, you know, you've got Avery Bradley out of the lineup right now. I think he keys a lot of that defense, and I think him not being there hurts the actual overall equation. But you can see the focus cannot be there for the Lakers over the course of 82 games. Maybe it's because of age, maybe because of other factors, but still to have somewhere in the, to be somewhere in the top five in overall defense and to be just outside of the top five in offense. That tells you right there the Lakers are actually putting a better focus on what they need to do to go ahead and get things done. Even as one thing slips, one thing moves up. So it's nice to see that you know, you and I were talking about at the beginning of the season how bad the offense was right out of the gate. Now, mind you, the three-point shooting is not quite there yet, but there are some signs. It's getting a little bit better, and I'm hoping that there's going to be more things done to integrate the offense even more, especially when LeBron James is not in the lineup because he facilitates a lot of that growth and a lot of that spread offense, and he goes ahead and does a great job of doing that. But again, it comes down to me where when he's out of the lineup and he's resting and whatnot, the Lakers have to go ahead and put out a better effort on both ends of the floor to go ahead and maintain whatever advantage they had with LeBron in the lineup. I think I think a lot of it, Gerald, is the, the league has become a guard-oriented league. And the move that the Lakers have made essentially to make LeBron James the point guard has really resurrected any doubt that anybody had in whether or not he's washed up LeBron, because he sure is not. I mean, he's been playing elite defense, elite offense. He's leading the league in assists. And the plus minus when he's on the floor is incredible. I mean, he's like the tops in the league 
as far as the plus minus on the floor. Anthony Davis is actually slightly negative on plus minus on the floor. So I think the big, uh, and, and Frank Vogel's seen that, I think the big move that he's made is really wanting Anthony Davis to start to exert himself so that we can truly have LeBron go and sit on the bench, have Davis come in, and then have the team not miss a beat. And I think that's the key, that he's staggered them very well so that one of them is usually in the game at all times. There's a few periods where we'll try to, We'll try to run an offense without him in there and Rondo in there. And Rondo, you know, Rondo's shooting more than I know you like, Gerald, that's for sure. He took 16 shots the other night, and uh, it's it's frustrating. He's shooting 35% from deep, and which is about where he shot last year. It's just that I, you know, I see him take up two-thirds of the shot clock dribbling around and hunting for assists and so forth. So we, we definitely have a few holes that Polinka wasn't able to fill. You know, we, we really need that. We really need Iggy, that defensive force, small forward to come in there and play against the other team's top scorer. And we could definitely use a top grade, you know, point guard who can really uh, distribute the ball well and shoot from deep and, and be a threat, have some gravity from behind the three point line, which Rondo doesn't have. Or even someone on the buyout market. I was hoping that the yep. Miami Heat would not be able to go ahead and and have the kind of season that they're having. I was hoping Gordon Drogic might slip yeah. through their fingers and he would be a great fit ahead of Rondo. Yeah. Uh, but I don't, you know what, Rondo, I've told, and I've said this to you before, I think he would make an outstanding coach because he's been yep. credited with by Anthony Davis and others as being that force in the locker room and also on the sidelines, giving direction and giving input that has helped and benefited the Lakers in other ways. And I think he's doing a great job in that sense. And mind you, I won't talk about his dedication in any bad way because he is known to go ahead and live in the film room. He is right. known to go ahead and study at that length. The only thing is, it is, is yes, when it comes out to him stepping onto the court and not being able to give you what you actually need out of this offense or even on the defensive side because, yes, he's hunting down steals and he's hunting down assists which is pretty much what an old point guard does at the end of their careers you know they can't do what they needed to do what they when they once did they don't fight through screens they don't go ahead and rotate they just go ahead and hunt for steals and then they try to go ahead and hunt for assists as well like you're saying which is what he's doing at this point in time we've seen it we saw it against memphis that he was successful on a couple occasions but for those couple occasions that he is successful there's many more times where he's not, which kind of burns or leaves the Lakers at a disadvantage. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite because it's also character driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on over 30 more podcast outlets. The biggest disappointment I had in Rondo was the cheap shot that he took during that game where he got the technical foul. And oh, then, yeah, absolutely. That, that was, you know, that, I thought he was going to be kicked out for a couple of games. That, I, I, said it, I said in the blog that he should have been kicked out for a couple of games. I said Vogel should have sat him for a couple of games. I hate that kind of behavior from a player. You know, 
it's that sort of the Grayson Allen mode of, of playing basketball where if, if you can't beat the guy, then just kick him in the balls. You know, I mean, that just is unacceptable. I hate, you know, I, I hate rooting for a guy like that. It just really burns me. It's just not how I, how I see the Lakers or the kind of basketball that I want to see the Lakers play. And I think it would have been appropriate for Vogel to do something there. Um, on the other hand, Rondo is well-liked by the team. And, uh, you know, so uh, we'll have to see how that pulls out. Um, and that's a problem, too, with when it comes to what Rondo does and little things like that. And also Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard seemingly gets an offensive foul within the first 30 seconds of coming into the game. It seems almost like a tradition now at this point. And right. the way he goes ahead and pushes off uh, sometimes on other the opponents and unnecessarily right after a play is dead or whatnot like he did in Memphis, it, it just makes no sense to me. You don't have to do these things. You know, it's, you, you know, it's nice that you're 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 playing as the big guy. You're playing as the muscle. You're playing as the, as the guy that that is playing the heavy. But we don't want you going over that bounds and playing as a thug because that just gets you into fights. That just gets you into suspensions. Right. That just gets you into fines, and it just gets you into a situation where your teammates are now having to work harder because you've been kicked out of the game or you've been suspended, and now there's someone else that has to go ahead and pick up the slack because you made a stupid move. And that just, I'm seeing that trend from these two older players that I don't like to see. And I think it's going to lead down the line to, you know, for some trouble at the wrong time, at the wrong place, you know, with the wrong player on the other team, that's just going to have enough. And, uh, and just, just say, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and, and start with wailing away with getting a mm -hmm. fight or what have you. I just, I just see something going wrong with that because, you know, we've already talked about Howard He's the human right. illegal pick and whatnot. Just those little things. You've just got to tweak those little things with, with him and also Rondo. And if you get rid of that mindset, you're going to go ahead and have a better team for it. I know TJ has talked about we don't have that grit. We don't have that edge. But the way that Dwight Howard and also Rondo are trying to find that edge is just not the way I would like to see it because that's just going to lead to more problems there's a fine line to be drawn in those situations, you know, and it's bugged me a few times that, that, that Dwight continues to get those fouls. But the other side of it is that he hasn't fouled out yet and he's gotten away with it a lot. He's got, you know, I mean, offensive rebounded is nothing more than pushing and pulling and grabbing and yanking guys out of the way and, and fighting for the boards. And, and we've physically been able to, and I think Vogel likes that about Howard. I think Vogel likes a hard foul. He's not opposed to, you know, a guy getting really banged when he goes into the lane. And Dwight, more than anybody else on the team, is going to do that. I separate that, though, from Rondo kicking somebody in the groin. That's That just draw the line there, you know. The only thing I worry about with that whole thing with Rondo was the first time that I worried a little bit that I wondered whether Frank should have done something just to keep him in line, you know. There's a hesitation by veteran coaches to, you know, let veteran players get away with most things. But there's a certain point in time when something isn't the way that we play the game. And I would have liked to seen Frank step up with that. Having said that, you know, in addition to his defense, I, I, you know, I've been thrilled with the substitutions that Bogle's made. He's, he's really moved uh, uh, Caruso into the lineup ahead of Daniels and Cook. Um, and Caruso's playing the best defense on the team. 
he may not make the great blocks that you see AD doing, but he has the best defensive rating of all of the players on the team and was in the top five players and defensively in the league who at least played, you know, 20 minutes a game and had played 10 games. So that's, uh, that's pretty incredible. And, and it shows something about the Lakers scouting staff and ability to develop players coming up. I've been watching this kid, uh, Talon Horton Tucker play in the uh, South Bay Lakers. And, and that kid is, uh, he's going to be something special. I think down the road, he has hands the same size. He's a six, six, Four guard has hands the same size as Kawhi and can leap out of the building. Um, and he's shooting threes and he's got a great handle. He's got a great feeling for assists. Um, he's a player that I think is has a good chance that he could well be part of the team in two or three years and uh, could really be something to be something special. And we're going to need that without the draft picks that we gave up in getting AD. But I think Frank Vogel's done a terrific job. He makes the right substitutions. He calls the right timeouts. Uh, LeBron was praising him for the kinds of plays that they have coming out of timeouts and, and coming into the second halves. He's been pushing the right buttons, and that's an important part of being a coach because it, it just develops confidence. So the teammates, uh, his players accept the fact that, okay, you're coming in, now you're coming in. And, uh, and every time that Frank makes a decision, it seems to be working out. We've got three more games. I predicted earlier that we would be 16 and three or 17 and two when we finish November. And I think we have a doggone good chance of being 17 and two. We've got the Spurs. They've been struggling. Everybody seems to be really down on them. It's a perfect game to get upset, of course, naturally, when everybody's talking about how terrible the Spurs are. Who do we have in the next two games? Is it the for this week, you're Wednesday, we're playing New Orleans. And then Friday, we're back at home versus Washington. Yeah, and, and uh, all three of them are trap games when you look at it. The Spurs would love nothing more than to win. The Pelicans, come on, are you kidding me? They're going to be sky high for us. And uh, we've got a couple of former Lakers playing on the Wizards that are doing great. Uh, Thomas Bryant and uh, Mo Wagner. Mo Wagner, who's, who, yeah, he's hitting threes like crazy. Shooting. Well, Thomas Bryant, we just let go. Mo Wagner, we, we had to we trade Thomas Bryan go, but he's he was he was a great player for the for the Wizards last year, and he's doing great this year. That's one of the reasons why I'm not 100 all in on Rafael yet. Those little things like that, just you know, some of the things, evaluations that he's made. Uh, you know, he's done a great job with what he has now. It's a whole body of work. And I'd say, you know, you can't give him that A-plus because, like I said, Thomas Bryant is walking around doing what he's doing. Mo Wagner, I understand why they had to go ahead and trade Mo Wagner because you had to clear that was Cap a Magic Johnson. That was a Magic Johnson draft pick. Michigan yeah. Play. Well, Mo, Mo Wagner's been playing well, and I understand why you had to give him up uh, because of the fact that I think it was the, the last kicker because of what was made in regards to... He needed to free the cap space for Kawhi. Yeah, but uh, but also, no, and also AD, I think, but you also had, yeah, there was a little faux pas in it that he had to give uh, uh, an extra se- second round draft pick as well. So, you know, I, be that as it may, I mean, he's done overall a very solid job. I mean, 14 to 2, you can argue with that. I mean, there's little things like that that you go ahead and whatnot, but, well, okay, when you're talking Washington, you can't forget Isaac Bonga, who as I quoted at the time of what was said before in the draft, he was two years away from being two years away. 
he's still not ready for the NBA at this point in time, even though he started some games for Washington. But you know what? It's just, yeah, that's, that's just not a good sign right there for him. Jesse, but Jesse Buss can pick players, though, can he? Well, I mean, and that was also Magic Johnson, too, saying he was going to be like him at a six foot eight point guard right. just because he was a tall. Yeah, there were other players around that time they could have gotten that would have done a lot better. But, you know, need I digress? But still, going back to what the Lakers are doing now, they're, they're 14 and two. They're really focusing in, hopefully, a little bit better, especially on the defensive end because it has started to slip. Is that of concern to you going forward that they're going to go ahead and maybe hopefully focus on their defense again? Or do you think it might actually slip even further? Well, you know, one of the things when you look when when we were when I looked at the first few weeks and we were having a defensive rating under 100, I went back and looked at the uh, defensive ratings that won the uh, that were number one in the league at the end of the year for the last five or six years. I think I had to go back like seven or eight years before I saw a team with a defensive rating at the end of the year under 100. So I think inevitably we're looking at a small sample size and and you're going to struggle as you go along. We've got three games against teams that we should easily beat to finish November. Then we've got three games against teams that could easily beat us. The Mavs, the Jazz, and the uh, Nuggets first three games in December, those are three pretty tough opponents. I think we one of the things is that it's only human nature when you got LeBron James and Anthony Davis that you that you're not putting your foot on the pedal as as hard as you would if you were playing the Jazz, the Nuggets, or the Mavs. So and then I think also those are big games for those teams, you know. When we go to play the Pelicans, that may be the biggest game of the year for the Pelicans, at least until Zion comes back. We get the best shot from every team. And it is the NBA, you know. These are the 450 best players in the world. And and believe me, at any given night, uh, it's like the any given Sunday thing. Any any given night, they a team can shoot you out just like that. So uh, I hope that we, I hope our defense will improve. I, I think that it's going to struggle a little until we get Bradley back. Bradley is the key because he's the he's the player who basically really slows down the point of attack for us. Caruso can't do that. KCP is, is a good defender, but he again can't do he can't do what uh, what Avery can, which is really get into the space of the ball handler on the other team, and and prevent him from getting that defense rolling. Um, that's a big difference. So I think we'll suffer until until we get back. I, th- I think once we're back from this road trip, there's an opportunity that Avery could be back, and I'm hoping we have him back for those first three games in December because that'll be critical. My over-optimistic, you know, glass completely full hope is that we would hit 20 and two by winning those first three, winning the next three games uh, against inferior opponents, and then and then going ahead and, and taking down, you know, uh, three very very good teams and, and putting us at 20 and two. If we could do that, I'd be in seventh heaven. Well, we'll talk more about that on the next time you're on the show, hopefully next week after everything is played out for the Lakers with hopefully another three great wins under their belt. But before we head on out, my friend, you got to tell everyone out there exactly why everybody needs to be part of the Lakerholics.net. Lakerholics.net is the premier source of, of just connecting if with Lakers fans out there. So I want to hear from you why Lakerholics.net is the place to go if you're a Lakers fan. Well, one of the things that's happened with news in general used to be when I was first a Laker fan that you'd pick up the LA Times and that was about it. 
You know, you didn't find Laker news anywhere else. And uh, you had everything in one place. Then came the internet. And you got everything spread around where basically you're following Twitter, you're following Instagram, you're following Bleacher Report, you're looking at Lakers.com, you're looking at a dozen different blog sites, looking at all of the articles and so forth. And there's aggregators who are putting together the articles left and right, Yahoo News and so forth. But what I found is most of the people on Lakerholics.net basically are following the stuff right on the side by going to the site because they get everything there. Because if there's a Instagram, a tweet, an article on Bleacher Report, an article in the LA Times or any of the local papers that has anything to say about the Lakers that's important and you would want to know about, it's going to be posted in Lakerholics.net by one of the one of the regulars who constantly posts things in there. And so I think that it's it's sort of like a one-stop shop for Laker fans who really want to see everything that's happening, find out everything that's happening as soon as it happens, and get a lot of great conversation and dialogue and opinions and, and thoughts about what's going on. Everybody there is free to have a take on everything that they want to talk about with the Lakers. And believe me, everybody takes their take. <laughs> it's, a, it's a constant conversation, but it's always done in... I think in in good character and with respect to the other people on the site and with respect to everybody has a right to their own opinion, but a lot of smart people and a lot of really diehard Laker fans. So if you want to join that conversation and be a part of it and find a place that is home for you as a Laker fan, Lakerholics.net is the perfect place to go. Couldn't have said it better myself. Once again, that's Lakerholics.net. Please be a part of the conversation today and you'll be glad you did. All right, my friend, it's been a great episode. If anyone has any questions out there, you can always email us, LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com, at LakersFastBreak on Twitter. Or please, if you can, leave us that five-star review, that five-star review. You can go ahead and leave that comment or question right there for you as you do. We truly appreciate it, and we'd be truly indebted to you if you do. Or you can go ahead and subscribe to us today on YouTube, Lakers Fast Break, our channel's right up there and running right now. So we're really glad if you go ahead and be a part of that too as well. See the great conversations that we have firsthand before they hit the airwaves. Be glad you did as well. So Laker Tom, it's hopefully going to be another great week. Once again, all the best to you and the family this Thanksgiving. And to all the listeners out there, I wish you nothing but a happy and safe Thanksgiving holiday. And of course, my favorite holiday right after that, Black Friday, because it's time to go shopping for some Laker stuff this Black Friday. Any plans for you? Nope. Working on Lakerholics.net. We're redoing the blog. It should be, I think, early December. We should have a completely new layout on the site and lots of new features, so it'll just even be better. Sounds awesome, my friend. Lakerholics.net is evolving into something even more special, so everyone has to check it out right there at Lakerholics.net. And you know what? It's just so great to be a part of it in any way I can, any shape or form. Just so awesome to have you part of this show. And we cannot thank you enough for taking the time to do so this time next week, my friend. Yep. Count on it. We'll celebrate it. I'm hoping you'll be like Johnny Carson. And you go ahead and, you know, with the reading of the envelope and, and those prognostications of you know, the Lakers being 17 and 2, we'll be right on the money. So I'm just hoping for it. I'm just hoping you'll be right and you'll be you're the man. In fact, that's the case. We need to go ahead and start talking about some California lottery numbers, my friend, if that's the case. Good enough. Good enough. There you go. There you go. Happy Thanksgiving, Gerald. Happy Thanksgiving, Lakers fans. 
And happy Thanksgiving to you as well and everyone out there from all of us at the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.